Episode number 69. Hello and welcome to the Fighting for Connection podcast. I'm Brett Nicola, a husband, father, and fun lover. Listen in as I share stories, tips, and inspiration that will move you toward the connection that you want in your relationship. Welcome back to the Fighting for Connection podcast. I hope you're having a great start to your week. It's cold here in Minnesota as I record this. And as of now, Kelsey and I are still awaiting the arrival of our baby. Today is due date when I am recording this, uh, January 20th, uh, Saturday morning here. And I always get so excited when the time for baby seems to be so close. This is now the seventh baby that we've awaited the arrival for. Our first, we actually knew a couple weeks ahead of time that we were going to have a C-section because our baby was breech, and at the time that was the advice of the doctors, and uh, we had our first via C-section, and then since then it's kind of been... uh, back to standard operating procedures. So uh, it's this waiting game and and, uh, like trying to figure out what Kelsey's body is telling her. And uh, those of you who have had babies know what this is all about. So it seems close any day, any minute, any hour. And maybe it's because of my own excitement. I've, I've always gotten so excited around this time. But it seems that the kids two seem to be anticipating the birth of this new child. Uh, I watch them talk about it a lot, even amongst themselves, just what it's going to be like to have a new kid in the home. And um, and they talk a lot about it with Kelsey and I, asking you know when he's going to be born, how he's going to come out of the belly, and uh, all kinds of great questions like that. So in general, it seems that uh, this, I guess, expected son is already finding a spot in our home. Kelsey, she's been a trooper through this whole thing. She's amazing uh, with these pregnancies and just keeps going. She uh, uh, Thursday night, she was out at the ski hill with us and uh, I went to hockey last night and I come home and the house is just uh, spick and span. So uh, she's she is seems to be feeling well and... Um, and is, I, I, I guess, if I was in her situation, uh, I know I would probably be pretty miserable to be around, but she's been just a joy, and, and that girl is a, a champ. That's about all I can say there. So I also want to say just a quick thank you to each of you that left a review um, on your podcast platforms uh, and have shared the podcast it's been a vulnerable ask for me to come on here and even ask for that. It's been easy to be critical of my own work. And and sometimes I wonder why I ever share it with all of you. It takes time and, and energy and effort. And I know that there are so many other podcasts and sources of information. And as I look around, it can feel impossible to add to what all is already there. But here's the deal. I think back to a conversation that I had probably 
eight or 10 years ago now. And it was a conversation with an older gentleman. He was um, maybe 35 years older than me or something around there, give or take five years. And we were talking about me becoming a father at that time. I had one or two kids. He was asking how it was going. And we were just having this kind of open dialogue. And this guy's really a, a blue collar guy. He's he's uh, not uh, some well-known relationship guru or, or even necessarily educated and learned. Um, wise? Yes. And I'm sure he didn't know he was going to change how I saw my role in my life and really change my life in this conversation. It was just kind of a casual conversation over, uh, I don't know what we were drinking, a, gla- a, a cup of coffee or something like that in the basement of my my church, but he did. And, um, and I remember him looking at me in that conversation and asking this question. And he said, Brett, want to know how you can love those kids? And I said, yeah, of course. And he And he just simply told me, love their mom. And those words have remained echoing in my thoughts throughout the years. And I I think like that's why I share what I do here. We end up in conversations, we stumble across podcasts, and we have interactions in our life that can change us for the better. And if that man hadn't simply shared his thoughts there, I wouldn't have had this simple message to help me drop my pride, let offenses go, and choose to love my wife. For some reason, there in that conversation in the, you know, the basement of my church there, I was given uh, this kind of inspiration that has helped me in my marriage. So maybe you too will have thoughts and hear little bite-sized things like that, that will support you in your life and your relationship long into the future. I also know that there are a million ways to have a relationship, and I truly believe that there isn't one right way to be in a relationship. Uh, We have uh, all kinds of different personalities and life circumstances that we are faced with, and this really affects our lot in life and what is possible even for our relationships. And in that way, you know, I think that everything that I say here won't apply to everyone listening, but I can only speak from my own position and my own experiences and my own education. And I trust that you can kind of take what, what uh, is here for you and, and leave the rest for other people in other situations. You know, I personally wouldn't even consider myself a relationship expert um, I've been, I've been, uh, I guess, identified as a relationship expert. But the way I see it, again, that relationships are, are so personal, nuanced, and complicated. And the more that I've studied relationships, the more I've seen how fragile and multifaceted they are. I have interacted with so many relationships, and I've seen behind the door of so many situations and individuals' lives and relationships. And and that is true. Uh, it gives me this kind of experience and um, and with experience comes, I guess, some 
knowledge or, or some wisdom maybe. Uh, but again, I, I, I shy away from thinking that I, I know uh, what is best for relationships or I'm somehow an expert. But the way I see me is I'm a, I'm a teacher and a coach. I'm a relationship teacher, a relationship coach. I'm a therapist. Um, those things I do identify with, but this idea of being an expert is, is one that seems like it would be, uh, it would be, it's such a high bar that, um, and, and relationships are so nuanced that it just seems that it, it's not an accurate description of, of who I am and what I do. What I do think is I can help you see what is going on in your relationship. I work as a mirror in that way, and I can provide you tools that I am well-versed in. I've received extensive education around uh, various tools and various um, ideas that are relationship-based, and I've learned how to use them in my own life, and I've learned how to teach them to others. And that's what I do. I have this really small box in the world of relationships, but this little box has contained so much value for me and my relationship that I feel compelled to share it. So maybe to summarize that, I don't think I'm a relationship expert, but I do think that uh, I my expertise are around uh, things like the conflict cycle and that tool. And um, I'm studied in attachment theory and uh, how that can affect our security within relationships and, and those kind of things that I've spent a lot of time around. I would say that, yeah, I, I have spent a lot of time there. I've maybe become uh, somewhat of, a, of an expert in those things, but uh, your relationship is yours and my tools are here just to help you support your relationship and um and in that way that's that's kind of how i see my work here and if any of you know me uh, it's my personality that when i get excited about something i'm going to share it with you and uh and i get so excited about these tools and these approaches that i found in my own life and the success that i've been able to implement them in my own life and the results that I've seen in my own relationship. And then uh, the ability that I've had to help other people utilize these tools in their relationships and watching the results that they've created in their relationships has made me super excited. And uh, and I'm going to share it as long as it's mine to share. And uh, and. In that way, I think that is also what you see here on this podcast. So I continue to learn. I continue to move forward one step at a time. And I remain grateful for the work that I get to do, the relationships that I've been given in my life, uh, and the support that I've felt. I, I really am there with you, sharing my experience of what I have learned. Um, we're all in this world of relationships together. And there's always room, I believe, for conversation and new perspective and and expansion on these things. So nothing that I say is, I feel like, um, 
you know, law or rule. Uh, but it's just, it's just me kind of having this conversation in the same way that I had this conversation with this older gentleman. And, um, and who knows, maybe there's things here that, uh, really help support you and your relationships. So that's why I do what I do. And, um, with that, I want to, uh, share with you some of the thoughts that I have had lately around why I got married. When I first saw my wife, Kelsey, I had one thought. I need to figure out how to be around her more. We were in high school. She was on the first floor. I was up on the second floor. I've shared this story before. There's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a overlook down into the first floor. And um, she was walking across that uh, opening there. And I saw her and I was immediately drawn to her. Over the next few years, it seemed like that draw was mutual. And we started courting and getting to know each other uh, with the intention of getting married. Uh, These next few years were tender years. Our relationship was just blossoming, and it didn't necessarily have security and depth. We were definitely infatuated with each other, and it seemed already then that I could feel the beginnings of our conflict cycle, even though I would say that we, we generally had a lot of grace for each other, um, we were able to overlook a lot of things and we just were kind of fired up to be with each other. But, um, but looking back now, I can see that there were some things that, that were creating feelings that we just weren't discussing with each other, uh, that ended up coming out years later. And because we were in high school and we desi- we had the desire to have a courtship that pleased God and we were, uh, constantly hitting the brakes on the relationship and trying to keep it from moving too fast. And I would say that Kelsey was great at this. It, it really preserved our relationship. And I remember, uh, I remember even as great as she was at this, I felt worried that because she was able to kind of hold me at such a distance that was, that was healthy and, and safe, it, it did create this sense for me that, Wow, I, I don't feel like I could do that. Um, it was difficult for me, and she—it seemed so easy for her. And it, it had me thinking that maybe I felt feelings for her that are stronger than the feelings that she felt for me. And in this way, it created like this insecurity or instability um, that she wasn't as drawn to me as I was to her. And the truth was, is you know, she she had a deeper sense of of uh self-discipline i guess is is how i describe it and and i guess what i was i was thinking there she had a deeper sense of of the bigger picture she could see um maybe you know what would happen if if we didn't um show up this way and she so much wanted that relationship to work out that she was doing it in a way that she believed would would uh result in in a successful uh, courtship. So uh, we got through that time and we got married on August 10th, 2012. And so began our marriage. Now we live together and it seemed like all these worries and these insecurities would fade away and we just feel really good with each other. And something that 
I've learned over time is is that um, you know when we bring these things into our relationship, uh, they don't necessarily fade with more time together and um, being married and things like that. Something that I have learned about love is that there are two general components. The first is that we're attracted to this person, whether it's their looks or their personality or qualities. Uh, maybe it's their full head of hair. Uh, something draws us to them. Uh, for me, I remember a couple of things early on as I got to know Kelsey. Obviously, when I saw her from a distance, I was drawn to her. I thought she was very pretty. But I also remember a time as we were getting to know each other that I saw her with a baby. And I remember especially how uh, how tender and caring and and gentle and how natural it seemed that she was with that baby. And I remember um, especially feeling drawn and attracted to that. Um, but then the second component is this, that we feel they are drawn to us. So the person that we're drawn to, we also get the sense that they're drawn to us. And and it's because we all have these relational longings or attachment longings within us. These are the things that we most long for in our relationship that help us feel safe, loved, secure, uh, and connected in our relationships. Think of like the five love languages. It, it it's it's I would say the five love languages kind of come from this, how uh, most people use love languages. I don't necessarily agree with. Most people have a love language and they kind of put it as as a rule that other people have to love them through their love language. That's maybe a, a topic for another podcast, but we have these attachment lines that generally create our love language. And, um, and it might be like you look for your spouse to help out around the house uh, initiate intimacy, want to talk to you, uh, a longing that your spouse would say kind things to you or touch you or serve you in some way. These are ways that our attachment longings can be fulfilled. And um, it works kind of like this, that when when we get the sense that our, our spouse wants to be with us and touch us and serve us, we feel safe. We, we, we get the sense that our relationship is secure. And for me, I have had this longing, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, to be desired or to be wanted. And early in my relationship, I felt this by, you know, our ongoing conversations, the sense that Kelsey wanted to be around me and hang out. It was, uh, I think, really validating for that insecurity that she uh, was the one to figure out how to like text me. She was she texted me first on uh, December twenty fifth at around six p.m. way back when I probably like two thousand nine or something. I I don't know when it was exactly. I'd have to do some math, but um, but I do remember it was Christmas Day in the evening. I got a text. Hey, is this Brett Nicola? And uh, I said yes. Who's this? And she said Kelsey F. Um, and and the rest is history. So. Uh, that that really kind of created this idea that she she wanted me she liked me uh and she would make these little handmade cards and uh i could tell that she spent so much time on them and put a lot of effort into them and these were some of the things that really uh helped reassure me that this was a good safe and strong relationship and i also was able to figure out as i've done this 
I've studied this stuff is that Kelsey, you know, has this personality or this longing that wants to feel connected. And uh, she always wants to be around people and and wants to talk with people and wants to have this sense that she's connected and and um, and involved. And there's, you know, this group of people that uh, matter to her and she matters too. And um, early in our relationship, I was, <laughs> I was really big into like these sappy love quotes and I would send them to her and um, I, to be honest, I can't even, I look back on some of those. And I'm like, oh boy, like what? <laughs> I don't even really, I don't really agree with some of these things anymore. They're so, uh, I don't know. They're, they're just happy love quotes that, uh, at the time I was, I really felt them and I, I would send them to her and, uh, I would spend a lot of time texting her and talking with her and, um, and, and, in this way, we both kind of fulfilled each other's relational longings or attachment longings, and we were drawn to each other. And uh, we naturally met these these attachment longings. So we, we met both of these components. We, we both were mutually drawn to each other, and we both mutually felt drawn uh, or, or like we, we were important to each other, like the other person was drawn to us. And in this way, we were in love and we got married. So I would say that is the logical reason why we got married. That's kind of how I see, like, as I study relationships, that's how I see people fall in love and, and get married. But I've also seen in my life how there's been a greater purpose for our marriage. Kelsey has been such a support for me in my life. And I know not everyone listening to this podcast has the same religion or is in the same faith as I am, but I think that there are some things that you can take from what I'm about to share that you can apply to your own marriage. It seemed like Kelsey and I just kind of ended up married. We were drawn to each other. It felt right. And I honestly didn't think about like why I was getting married. On the surface, it was because if you would have asked me like at 18, 19, it's like, I want to be with Kelsey all the time. I want a future with her. Uh, I enjoyed her friendship. Those seem like good reasons to get married to me. But here's what happened. One day, Kelsey and I found ourselves in a conflict cycle, and I didn't feel all of those feelings as strongly as I once did. I didn't feel uh, like I wanted to be with Kelsey all the time. I didn't feel like I was so confident our future was going to be great together. I didn't enjoy in that moment her friendship. And so what do we do now? And I had to kind of figure out why I was married again, because all the reasons why I got married initially were kind of fading in this moment. And, and what I began to realize is like those reasons aren't very stable these feelings seem to kind of ebb and flow day to day. And one day it, it really kind of hit me. I was sitting in a wedding. I think it was a wedding of one of my sister-in-laws. And, um, and I was listening, as I was listening to the marriage ceremony and the vows between that husband and wife, it was so clear then why I got married to Kelsey. And it was for one purpose. It was to help her get to heaven. And, and there was 
instruction in that uh, ceremony to also serve her and be a support to her. Before that, I would have this sense at times that Kelsey wasn't doing her job, that she wasn't making me feel desired. She wasn't help. Uh, she wasn't showing up in a way that made me feel content and happy in our marriage. And so, in some way, uh, she was she was failing. But really, as I sat there in that wedding, I, I began to recognize that I was failing. And this thought came to me that what if I didn't get married? to get all of those feelings, right? To get all of these feelings of wanting a future with her and a really strong friendship and and all of these kind of things. Like those things feel really good. Uh, and and when they're not there, it, it feels really bad. Um, and And so if I got married to feel good, then something has gone wrong when I don't feel good. But what if I got married... To, to serve her and and to support her and to help her get to heaven. This is now it's kind of changing the paradigm of why I got married. And I talk a lot about the feeling of connection in your marriage. And the, this podcast is, is talking about, or I guess it's titled Fighting for Connection. And it, I guess it, I, I do think that that is something we all would like in our, our marriage, but I think a lot of us have feel like we're missing it, that something has gone wrong because we don't feel it. And it may seem like connection is a two-way street, that they have to make you feel connected and then it's your job to make them feel connected. But what I've found is that you have a much greater possibility of connection in your marriage when you aren't worried about what you're getting Rather, you're more concerned with making sure you're doing your part. You're more focused on you rather than focused on them. So many times we get stuck in this place of like, I'm not going to show up for you until you show up for me. And it's a chicken or the egg scenario. And I think it comes from this belief that you're married because you want a future with your spouse. You want to enjoy their friendship and you want to, you want them to make you happy. And when those things aren't in place, then they better get back into alignment so that you you know you you're in the marriage that you want. Uh, and in this way, marriage really stretches us. It's hard to show up in a loving, serving, caring, supportive way when it seems like our spouse isn't showing up in that way. When it feels like it's not reciprocal. But I do think that this is where growth really begins and really where uh, we can focus on ourselves within a marriage. That what if the purpose of your marriage was to serve your spouse? It's, it's really like this, this black and white measuring stick. And I feel that, that when I use that against myself, I can see that I take way more than I give. And and don't get me wrong. Like I do think we want to be in a reciprocal marriage where there's there's give and take. But I do also see in the relationships that I work with that there are these seasons and circumstances that put us in such a position that we end up having to give more than it seems that we get. And what if that was what marriage was all about? If you were... Uh, 
here to to really stretch yourself to serve even when it's not easy to serve. If your spouse got gravely injured and was unable to move, would you become a caregiver to them? I think so many people would. Is that equal? Fair? Maybe not, right? Is it a part of the marriage vow that so many of us have made? I'd say for for many, yes. And it's so clear when we see someone like having a physical injury, like they can't move or can't uh, talk or are paralyzed or something like that. Uh, it's easy for us to be like, well, yeah, I'll serve them. That's no problem. But oftentimes our spouse um, isn't necessarily paralyzed physically, but they are paralyzed emotionally. Uh, and they don't have the capacity for uh, emotional intimacy, for physical intimacy. Then what? Do we get mad? Do we get? Uh, do we demand from them, or do we love and support them? And and when we just think about this, I think that we can see ourselves very clearly in our own relationships. And some of the most moving situations that I've ever witnessed have come from a deep and seemingly unwavering love. It's so powerful. I want to share with you a quick story. And there were times in my childhood where I would get the sense that I was not desired by my parents. They, I, I would disappoint them in some way. I would get bad grades uh, at school or misbehave. And, and they would express their disappointment to me. Oftentimes it was, you know, in the home, I was misbehaving at home. And I remember fleeing, running away, shutting myself in my room when they would get upset with me. But the lingering memory for me isn't this constant disappointment that I I felt from my parents. Uh, and it wasn't constant by any means. But it, that's not like the high part in, in my memory. It's not, oh man, I, I just would disappoint my parents. But it was this, that when I would disappoint my parents and I'd flee away, what would happen is my mom would come, you know, walking down the hallway, I'd hear the creaking uh, and... And she'd come into my room and she'd sit on the bed and she'd kind of like scratch my back and, and just start talking to me, trying to figure out what happened, what was going on. And it was so reassuring to me that even though I felt like I disappointed them, they came, they found me, they spent some time just talking with me and reassuring me. I don't think that was even like, it wasn't her thought, like, I'm going to go reassure Brett. But it happened in that kind of a way that that action was so reassuring to me. And it helped me feel like I was okay, that I was wanted, I was loved. And it was easy for me to feel and, I, and, and to believe that the love was there. Her disappointment and my parents' disappointment activated me for sure, created some insecurity or instability in our relationship. But the thing that was so powerful was the reassurance. And it helped me to really believe that I was loved and cared for in that home. 
And I think that this is what happens in relationships, that we do kind of create this insecurity or instability in each other. And that is just a part of relationships. But the thing that is so important is that we learn the ability to reassure each other. And when we feel this this insecurity and then we get the sense of reassurance, we actually create a higher level or, or a deeper bond with each other. And that is what is is a glue that can really keep a relationship uh, close and connected. And when we can serve more than we feel like we've been served in our marriage, we can knock down walls. It can open up doors and we can let the person see that even in their own human imperfection, there's someone on the other side that loves them and cares about them. And we can grow in our ability to serve without being served. But I think that there's so much room to grow around um, this and, and our communication. When we're feeling hurt and alone in our marriage, we tend to communicate from a protected space. Um, and, and I guess where I'm going with this is that, that for sure we can, we can just serve uh, kind of unconditionally. But I, I think that that's an aspect that we can grow in, but we can also grow in our communication so that we can, we can also invite our spouse into a, a relationship with us that's kind of a, a back and forth. It's reciprocal and it's two-way if it's possible. So I guess back to what I was saying is that when we are feeling hurt and alone in our marriage, we tend to communicate from like a protected space. Uh, we point, we teach, we accuse, we defend, we say we can't stand you and we really mean I worry that I'm inadequate. We say you're so lazy when we mean I worry my priorities aren't important to you, that I'm not important to you. We say you're always late when we mean I miss you and that we want to feel close to you. And this protective communication is so confusing and it comes as a natural response to relationship pain. Your ability to increase clarity in your communication, to be more vulnerable and skilled in your communication can help your spouse see what is happening for you. And it can also help them see that they matter to you. It can reassure them and help them uh, feel more safe to take a step towards you. It can invite them into a closer relationship for you or with you. Um, and I really believe that that is why I got married. It's to serve Kelsey, to kind of grow in my ability to do this. And when I've been able to, in my own weak ways, serve her, it seems that I've received blessings that have far outweighed the sacrifice. And it's taken like a, a real... Um, it's it's required me to to find some humility and for me that has really come through my own uh spiritual background my own faith uh that i've been served so much and and the least i can do is serve my wife and uh and when i've been able to do this it hasn't i wouldn't say it's been like something that i've been able to do on my own it, it's really required faith and um, and when I've done this, it, it's not always like I can point to like, I did this and then this is what I got. But um, sometimes it's just been the feeling of 
doing what's right. And I really believe that serving your spouse is the right thing to do. And with that comes a peace and a contentment. And in this way, I guess, it seems that um, if I can do this in, in, in my own imperfect way, but I can just move towards serving Kelsey more, having more capacity for her, loving her more, um, I can, too, fundamentally affect another human and create a more secure place for them to be in relationship and uh, and I think you too have that same ability. I know others for sure have this ability because I've felt it in my own life uh, with my parents, my friends, and Kelsey. So I know that there was a lot there and and a lot of different thoughts for me. I just felt like there's so many ways that this could go. But I hope you were able to... Uh, take something from this. I know you have your own situation and I so much want to support you. And I guess I would encourage you to take what helps your marriage uh, from this podcast and leave what doesn't. Chew on the bones a little bit. If it feels uncomfortable or, or it feels like, no, this isn't for me, just See if you can hold space for it for just a little bit. Um, try it on for size. See if it feels right for you. Uh, and and if it does, do your work to move towards these ideals. I know we won't ever reach perfection in our marriage, but we can always serve ourselves by reflecting on the patterns and beliefs that are negative, negatively affecting us in our relationships and our marriage. And I think that when we do this, when we really uh, work to to serve ourselves in this kind of a way, we serve so many other people. So take care, y'all. I will be here on the podcast, baby or not, next Monday. Uh, and I just hope that all of you guys uh, have an amazing week and uh, keep showing up for yourself and your relationships. Amazing work out there, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Fighting for Connection podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want more content like this, check out my Connected Couples Campus, which can be found on my website, www.pivotalapproach.com, and become the difference you need in your relationship.